When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Departed. While it's true it's not Scorsese's best film, it clearly was the best picture of 2006. A Byzantine web of cat and mouse, as you see a gallery's rogue of characters including Leonardo DiCaprio, Jack Nicholson, and Matt Damon chewing on some dialogue from Bill Bonnet and won an Oscar for the script. And as always, Scorsese's directing, the fact he knows that crime milieu better than any other director working in America that really makes the story sing. Yes, it would be nice to see a story like this set in New York, and yes, I'm tired of too much Boston movies, but there's no denying The Departed is a wildly entertaining film and yet another worthy addition to Scorsese's canon as he shows his mean streets can adapt in 2006 to a film like this that still remains resonant in the present day. Furthermore, when you look at some of the cast, as I mentioned, Jack Nicholson wildly over the top, clearly he's having fun playing this very irascible crime boss who's a pervert and disgusting. And yes, while his acting isn't exactly subtle, that's what you've come to expect at Nicholson at this point in his career. In terms of what the other actors are bringing to the table, DiCaprio always brings the heat. And you look at Matt Damon's performance, Damon is a guy that's able to be duplicitous, even if he himself is fighting some uh, penile issues as Vera Farmiga makes clear in one unforgettable scene. Now, Adnan, I apologize. I've got I've to cut in here. I just got some issues with this. I know I know. Amin's got some issues with it. We're hijacking it. This isn't going to be your normal cinephile. This is going to be cinephobe because I've got some huge issues with Scorsese in this movie. Amin, I know you've got huge issues with Scorsese in this movie. This whole movie, it's, it's ridiculous. I knew I was walking into a trap when Amin texted me and said, we're doing a podcast called Cinephobe, which is about bad movies. And then followed it up by saying, which of the movies do you love? And he put The Departed, Shape of Water, and uh, what was the, other one? the Bradley Cooper one that was sucked. So uh, I said, well, I didn't born. care for that. Yeah, I, knew, yeah, yeah. I said, well, I'm not going to walk into that trap. I mean, trust me, I could make fun of that movie as much as anybody. Although I thought it was decent. I did like his directing. But I said, Shape of Water and Departed, I both love equally. So I am well prepared that you guys are going to mock both of those films. I know for the purposes of today... We're going to do The Departed, but go ahead. Let me just say this right here. <laughs> Shape of Water, you mean Splash? <laughs> splash 2, Electric Boogaloo. That's what it was. No, but, it was Creature from the Black Lagoon. That's what Guillermo del Toro was clearly ripping off. The could it have been oh, Swamp like Thing? I loved Swamp Thing as a kid. Paying homage to a nice love story of the past, but go ahead. It just felt like this movie, while... I'm talking about The Departed while entertaining right. and, you know, a nice watch. It didn't rise to the level of Academy Award winning. And rather, it felt like this was a, hey, Marty, our bad. For all those other times, and you should have won, but we didn't give it to you. I completely agree. It is not his best film. I and mean, quite frankly, I've done a Mount Rushmore of Marty's work on Cinephile. The Departed isn't anywhere close to my top four. For the record, my top four is Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, Goodfellas, 
You could make a case. The fourth is the hardest one. I would put in Main Streets, but I think you could make an argument for The Irishman, The King of Comedy, Wolf of Wall Street. There's a variety of others. So I agree with you on that. Should have stopped at Main Streets. But, but, hey, <laughs> but, but to my point, you're not marking a director against the best of his work. He should have won five Best Director Oscars. If you look at the year 2006, I mean, it was a weak year. Go back and tell me what should have won. Babel was the only other film that they thought might be The Departed. The Babel, there's no chance anybody in the last 15 years has said to themselves, hey, I have a Sunday afternoon off. Let me go watch Babel. Whereas people will watch The Departed because how entertaining it is. You know what I was more entertained by? Little Miss Sunshine. I think that's a better movie. It's directed in a way. This is my problem with Marty. Marty seemed like he took, it was like all those things he learned in like film school 201. It was like, all right, I'll do all those in this movie. There's the weird circle on Damon outside the office building. The circle wise, yes. He always yeah. likes to do a circle wipe. Listen, that's Why? nice. That's an homage to classic movies. Come on. You can't discredit a guy for saying, listen, look back at what my heroes used to do. That's great when he does that. And then, you know what an homage to classic movies is? Is making a good movie. That's this is an entertaining movie. It's not a good movie. There's a difference. What's not good about it in your estimation? Nicholson. He's Nicholson is atrocious. He's over the top. Got it. What else? He's over the top. That's what you get uh, with Jack Nicholson. I thought, I think a half a dozen movies where Jack Nicholson's over the top. For God's <laughs> sakes, he won an Academy Award for being over the top when he won for One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. As good as it gets, he's over the top. That's always who he is. The only Nicholson performance that's subtle, which is a great one, is about Schmidt, which he was nominated for, did not win for. Well, first of all, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, over the top, fit in the context of the story, being that it's, it's an insane asylum. Huh? Couldn't you argue a Boston mob boss is also a little cuckoo? I think he was closer to anger management than he was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in this one. <laughs> <laughs> which the three of us can all agree is an atrocious move. <laughs> Here's a couple of things. So, so first of all, Regardless of how over top he plays the character, you talk about Scorsese, that's his lane. Because I didn't have a mob boss who would be so hands on on everything. Oh, talking on the phone, showing up to do microchip deals. <laughs> I mean, who, who does that? He's writing shotgun for crying out loud. What He's mob boss ever writes shotgun? Wildly racist things to people with machine guns. That I have no issue with. If you've ever been to Boston and you're a visible minority, you know that happens all the time. The, the, the best line of the party for God since when Leo says to the guy, listen, you're a black guy in Boston. You don't need me to tell you how effed you are. That's a, I mean, that's a good point about Nicholson. You're fair. I, I don't think he'd be going to the microchip bus. That's a fair point. If I was a Don, I'd have my lieutenants going to that. I will concede that point. You know what it reminded me of, Adnan, to tell the absolute truth? It reminds me of a kid who grew up watching Scorsese movies and said, this is my hero. I want to make a movie like him. The rat in the final scene. You want to hit us on the head a little harder, Marty, because I don't think we got it. <laughs> oh, he's I, a rat. <laughs> I will agree with that. That was also unnecessary. My friend Cabby, who loves the movie, agreed the rat scene was unnecessary. I will agree with you on that. The whole opera scene where he takes the I cocaine don't. and throws it up in the sky? Why? He didn't throw it in the sky. I mean, he took a clump of it and smacked her with it. He threw it on her like he was pelting her with a snowball. <laughs> That, what theatrical. a waste. The film itself is operatic, right? Look at Scarface. That's an operatic movie. The way De Palma filmed it, it's larger than life. Similarly, Nicholson's character is larger than life. You guys are harping on the same thing, which you don't like the Nicholson character. What about the rest of the movie? What about all the twists, the turns? Uh, Leo getting shot in the head. You don't like that stuff? You don't like Damon? He was great. I think Damon's okay in it. I, Leo's fantastic in yes. this movie. Like, Leo is out of this world in this movie, and I think he's the thing that, that keeps bringing me back. Because I've seen this movie a lot, and I do find it very entertaining. But honestly, like, other than Leo, there's not a huge difference between this and then, like, anything 98 to 2006 for Nick Cage. Yeah, I said it. That's, oh, it's wow. the same movie. <laughs> 
I think that's a real insult, not only to the great Nick Cage, who we know has made some great movies. I've always made a lot of lousy ones over the years. But you don't think oh. the music, how about the music, the Dropkick Murphys? You don't think the music's good? How, how, how many times are we going back to that song, Adnan? The same like lyric? That's what great movies do. they got to give you that same song. It's like the score of the movie. That's the score of that song. It's great. The shipping up to Boston, Jonathan Papelbon used that. The Celtics used that. Like, if that wasn't used iconically, people wouldn't remember it and be using it today. So that is a tribute to how well the music fit that movie. Adnan, I, I, my note on that was the song that gave every Boston sporting event a soundtrack. The same <laughs> fucking soundtrack. Every single one. Yeah, and make, let me make it clear. I loathe Boston sports teams, I mean. So that's true <laughs> that I don't like hearing it, but I give credit to the fact it clearly was music that jived with the region. Okay, so let me give you another criticism that is not Jack Nicholson related, right? Okay. The scene, the microchip buy scene. Yeah. The combination of Matt Damon texting from his pocket Mm-hmm. And Leo texting from behind a column. Come on, you blame the wire for this, right? Because the wire made it, lifted the, the level of complexity on how these organized crime communications networks work. That when we see someone text from his pocket inside the war room, and the other guy <laughs> at the bus texting from behind a column, it's like, it's so sophomoric. It's like, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen like that. Strange credibility, but don't forget this was 2006. This was like the early years of texting. So people really weren't sure how many people could text in a certain way. You can have a bit of suspension of belief and say, okay, if somebody was at that time an expert texter, they could pull that off. It felt like this was a movie about the 1970s that they just decided to drop cell phones in. There's a porn theater out of nowhere. They don't have those anymore. 2006? Uh, I think they still may have porn theaters in 2006. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but if you've ever been to Boston... I'm pretty sure you can find one in the city of Boston at some point in time. The other thing, when Leo is chasing Matt Damon in the streets, which is a very tense scene, and I liked it. a great scene. I love the the shot of the uh, reflection in the puddle. It was great. Yes, all that is great, except for the MacGuffin that they use, which is, and then his phone is going to ring. His burner phone from which he only gets called from these two people, Martin Sheen or Mark Wahlberg. his boss is texting him, make a rest. If I'm chasing someone, I don't have time to read a text. Also, why is my ringer on? (laughs) This is my burner phone that no one's supposed to know I even have. Listen, those mistakes happen all the time. If you guys look at true crime, people make dumb mistakes all the time. Smart criminals, smart cops get tripped up by the most inane, stupid things. You guys know that happens all the time. I'm going back to Nicholson. It felt like all of his dialogue were just things that he thought up during a late night binge. He yells, this ain't reality TV. That is the worst delivered line I've ever heard in a movie. Marty is definitely very much pro-improvisation. As I talked to Patrick Gallo recently on Cinephile, who was in The Irishman, one of the best scenes of 2020 is when Tony Pro is sitting down with Jimmy Hoffa and Patrick Gallo is telling me, because we ad-libbed a lot of that stuff. Marty loves improvising. So I completely agree with you. I'm sure Nicholson improvised a lot of dialogue, and Marty gave him free reign. But I think he has some funny lines. You're missing the humor of his performance. How about the scene where he tells Damon, you know, you're busy uh, chugging Sigmund Freud's and uh, sticking it up her ass? I mean, there's something filthy that he said. The way that he uses the dialogue is both musical in its level. And I also think when he shoots the guy and he falls, he, was, he kind of fell funny. That's a darkly funny line. When he's trying to take a ring off a dead guy's hand, like, again, he's playing this for comedic laughs. Like, I think you're, you're missing the morbid humor of what he's doing. The morbid humor, like when he dies and he he acts like Bobby J in Role Models when he pretends to die when they're playing LARP. He makes this face. Uh, ew, 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 ew. 
like Bugs Bunny has had more realistic death scenes. You haven't even to. mentioned the best part of the movie, and that's Mark Wahlberg. This is proof once again. Oh he gives God. the best performance in the whole movie. Playing Sergeant Dingman, the first scene where he's attacking DiCaprio, verbally assaulting him, is about as funny and as entertaining as it gets. He's so caustic. He's so aggressive. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. You guys are making it sound like Nicholson won an Oscar. He didn't. Wahlberg was yeah. one who was nominated, rightfully so. And the scene where DiCaprio quotes a famous author and Wahlberg simulates a fart and says, what's wrong? Don't you know any fucking Shakespeare? Like, Wahlberg's fantastic. That movie. How about Alec Baldwin? Alec Baldwin's worth the price of admission. He's so Baldwin's funny. fantastic the scene, in it. The scene where he's golfing with Leo and he's asking if his pecker's working overtime. Like that. You guys are missing so many great scenes in that movie. But here's the other problem. Why is Wahlberg wearing those shoe booties if he's just going to spray someone's blood all over the hallway? A public hallway. Starring Mark Wahlberg as himself. That's what I... Well, again, we don't discredit a guy for range. If he had done this 20 times, it's fine. But that was right. relatively early in his career. If he was getting nominated for Spencer Confidential on Netflix, I mean, then that's a worthy point. But in 06, nobody had seen Wahlberg quite like that tightly coiled prick cop, so to speak. Yeah. I, 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 I do, on, on, you should have been a lawyer. <laughs> he really should have, yeah. I mean, there's still time. And then I would say this. I did feel like Mark Wahlberg, maybe based on some of his history, maybe took this role so he could say the N-word in it. Oh, <laughs> I was about to say, Wahlberg is definitely a checkered past. Two-time <laughs> guest on Cinephile, good guy, so I like him. But yes, a quick Google search of Mark Wahlberg's past, and you will see that <laughs> definitely has had some issues with visible minorities. All right, Adnan, thank you so much. Thank you for trying to discredit an Academy Award winner from 2006. Now, you guys will <laughs> like this. Ryan Rossillo, of course, good friend, and me knows him well. Yeah. He is also not a big fan of The Departed, and Ryan was born in Hartford, actually, but lived for many years in Boston. So if you want somebody else on your side of the arsenal of The Departed sucks, you've got Rossillo definitely on your side as well. He was shipping out of Boston. <laughs> exactly. Your picks have been horrible, man. It's the point. It's the point of the show. Isn't, Isn't it? it? Isn't it? It's possible. I don't understand what this podcast is about. Poppycock. The fuck out. On a weekly basis, we are consuming more concentrated bad movies than probably anybody in the history of mankind. Poppycock. What story? What story? (laughs) What are you talking about? Do you want lunch? I have yet to laugh in this movie. I'll just tell you that. You picked it, motherfucker. (laughs) Just remember that. You know the problem with Hollywood is they make shit unbelievable, unremarkable shit. I was legitimately offended. You were offended? I was offended. I didn't know you could get offended. I was offended. This did it. If I were gay, I wouldn't be offended. They're fucking making shit up, I mean. Inconsequential detail after inconsequential yeah. detail after inconsequential detail. Please don't lie. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I'm there holding a mic in my hands and now I'm talking yeah. all night. Okay. Cinephobe, the podcast where we break down the movies you're afraid to admit you love. I'm Zach Harper. That's Amin Al Hassan. That's Anthony Mays. This week on Cinephobe, as you heard with Adnan, the 2006 drama The Departed, which is actually supposed to be a good movie, guys. This is the April Fools. Ha ha. Ah. We're being a good movie for a change. And let me just tell you right now, 
So somehow I feel the same as when we review all the bad movies. <laughs> this is a movie I will watch whenever it's on. I find it highly entertaining. I just have a lot of problems with it. I think it's an entertaining movie, but I don't think it's a good movie. Yes, I was entertained. This differs from the movies that we usually do in that it yes, actually it's- a story that, you know, <laughs> had a beginning, middle, and end, right? Right. But, and like the twists were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Right. Except the end, which which reminds oh. me about a, of another movie we reviewed recently, but I don't think has been posted yet. So I, I don't even know if I can make these references. There are a lot of references to movies that we've done in the last two weeks. Oh man, we're turning them out. Like we're ready for if the internet dies. Well, I don't know how we'd post them, but we have them. I'll mail out mixtapes. If we die. Yeah, we got a month of content. Yes, sir. We'll live on for at least a month. It'll be great. You won't fear us or lose us at all. We will only become stronger. What was that? What was what happened with Obi-Wan Kenobi? If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. We'll review movies you couldn't possibly imagine how bad they are. <laughs> well, we already have. Yeah, oh, you yeah. strike us down, you just have to listen to them. Leave a five-star review or something because we're dead. So it's a, that's a nice tribute. The Departed stars Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, and Jack Nicholson. Leo was coming off of The Aviator at this time, and he'd be in Blood Diamond the same year. Matt Damon coming off of Syriana, and he was going to be in The Good Shepherd later that year. That's quite as strong. And uh, we also also had... I know know you're going to say that. He'd be in the Adjustment Bureau later that year. (laughs) Remember that one? Man, that's a... That, what is that rating? Because that is that movie should qualify for this. <laughs> no, I, I think people liked it. Oh my no, god, that's a terrible movie. Inception? <laughs> Inspection? <laughs> Inception Come with on. derby hats? 71%. 71? Get out of here. 71? Oh my god. I would have accepted 7 or 1, but not 71. <laughs> oh my god. Jack Nicholson was coming off of 2003's Something Gotta Give, and he was going to be in the bucket list later out uh, the next year. He's kind of slowed down. Are we? He's alive, right? Yeah, he just retired. Okay. Yeah, which he needed to after this movie. Like, I think this was kind of a big deal for Scorsese to coax him out to make this movie even. Probably, and probably a mistake. We also <laughs> get uh, Mark Wahlberg, Martin Sheen, Ray Winston, uh, Vera Farmiga, Anthony Anderson, Alec Baldwin. It's a star-studded cast, guys. It is a star-studded cast. Typical Scorsese movie because everyone wants to be in one. Exactly, and you got to load it up to distract from the horrible directing that you're doing. Star-studded cast, unfortunately, not a star-studded editing team. Right, no, not a star-studded editing team in any way. So let me get this straight, though. I mean, you're just targeting Thelma Schoonmacher. Uh, I mean, no, I'm not actually. To tell the absolute truth, I think that she probably did the best that she could, but she's dealing with someone who's like, no, you can't do it like this. You got to do it like that. Departed is directed by Martin Scorsese. He had just done The Aviator, and he had uh, Shutter Island coming out a couple years later. <laughs> oh, my God. The Departed was written by William Monahan for the screenplay, at least, of this version. He did Body of Lies and The Gambler, which is a Mark Wahlberg movie. Boston's very own. Not a huge career other than this movie. I wonder why. I wonder what what is what stopped him. This movie is adapted from the 2002 movie Internal Affairs. Kong Kong crime thriller from 2002. <laughs> Let me get this straight. The movie he wins an Oscar on is when he ripped off from someone else. Yes. Terrific. 
Yes. <laughs> and, and like, this is the annoying thing. This is why I hate movie people online. The annoying thing is like, if you start talking about the departed, someone feels the need, you know, it's actually made from uh, the movie internal affairs. It's a, it's a, it's a Hong Kong movie. Like, yes, we like, we all have access to the internet. We know infernal affairs, the synopsis for the departed, an undercover cop and a mole in the police attempt to identify each other while infiltrating an Irish gang in South Boston tagline. Cops are criminals. When you're facing a loaded gun, what's the difference? Ooh, they stole that right from the movie. Yeah, it's just a line from the movie. I guess the whole ripping off thing is, uh, is a recurring theme. We got to bring on this guy, Luke, who I used to play basketball with back when that was a thing that was allowed. He does like taglines for movies. Oh, that's that's, that's his, his job. That's like his job. Other taglines for this movie, unrestrained. Really? That's what it. does that have to do with anything? Here's another one. Underhanded. Here's another one. Undercover. Please tell me it was just like three different posters with different characters on it. I or think something. that's what it is because these are all listed individually. And then, and then the last one: lies, betrayal, sacrifice. How far will you take it? Pretty far. Probably better they just ripped off a line for the movie. This is a certified hit. Ninety million dollar estimated budget, gross one thirty two in the U.S. and two ninety one worldwide. Again, it's like you say, DiCaprio, Jack Damon, Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson, Scorsese. And you say, you say Scorsese. I mean, these are all like the buzzwords. Like, people are just yeah. going to go ripped off from Hong Kong. <laughs> also. Before listening to the rest of this podcast, Departed can be found on Amazon with some kind of CBS sub, allegedly. Or when that doesn't work like it didn't with me, you can just rent it. Because it says it's on CBS All Access, right? But it, I tried. It wasn't there. It's not there. Zach and I are both <laughs> new CBS All Access free trial yeah. members. <laughs> well, I had to you re-up my subscription. I used to have it. it. Yeah, yeah, we did. We fell for it. This is how they get you. They know someone's going to try to watch The Departed someday. We're going to get them out of $6 <laughs> for the month. Somewhere, somewhere there's, there's an intern behind a computer. It's like, <laughs> well done, Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> we got $12 this month out of these suckers. <laughs> <laughs> the Departed receives a 91% from critics on 278 reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Your knees. And 94% from the audience on over 737,000 ratings. Of course they would. Because this is a quote-unquote good movie, there will be no positive reviews read here. Christopher Orr of The Atlantic, not only is The Departed not among the best of Scorsese's films, it's not even the best version of this film. Yes! Yes, that Christopher Christopher O'Sullivan of London Evening Standard. As in his remake of Cape Fear, Scorsese has mucked up a B-movie he professes to love, producing something full of twists but devoid of that lovely, fluttering, rare thing. Surprise. Ah, uh, <laughs> my man. Yeah, what else? What else we got? Ryan Gilby of New Statesman. Plausible psychological scrutiny loses out to shot after shot of brains being splattered. And boy, do you get a lot of brains for your buck. It's just a shame they're all on the walls and not in the script. Ooh. Now, normally, I mean, we tell people, you know, oh, that writer's trying too hard. I think this writer kind of nailed it. Uh, Right on the money. A rather long, lengthy uh, excerpt from Rotten Tomatoes. Usually they go for like a line. This guy got a whole no, they they, they went they went full bore there. Uh, Margaret Pomeranz of At the Movies Australia. Yeah, I hey. think good <laughs> think Goodfellas leaves us for dead. Absolutely for dead. I don't really understand that, but I just think it's saying Goodfellas is much better. I, I think this that's an Australian thing. It must sister, be. Does your sister live there? She does. 
We can ask her. Is that is that I'll, a thing? I'll text her. Daily Kaufman uh, of the New Republic. Is Scorsese desperate? This screenplay has the scent of it, as if he's scraping for material to feed his basic filmic interests. I wouldn't. I think he gave him a little too much credit there. Last review: Thomas DeLapa of Boulder Weekly, redolent of four-letter words. Scorsese's flatulent Boston Massacre doesn't amount to a hill of beans. It's easily his worst film since Cape Fear. How bad is Goodfellas? Does Boston so bad that even Nicholson is a deadly bore? Yes, I am 100% with all these reviews. We're not going to do the full blow-by-blow of the movie like we normally would because, one, we've got the Adnan part at the beginning, and two, it's a a two-and-a-half-hour movie that everyone loves. Well, not everyone. What's your opening line? Cheap opening line. (laughs) A little quote by by Nicholson. Real meta there. (laughs) So cheap. Come on, man. Like I learned on one of the podcasts that will drop sooner or later, the whole Basil Exposition thing. Like, come on, man. <laughs> the opening line of the movie? I have a theory. I think Nicholson took this role just because he wanted to say the N-word on camera. A lot of people give Quentin Tarantino a really hard time for using language that is racially charged, dare I say even racist language, in his movies. I'll say this about Quentin Tarantino. I don't know if that man is a racist or not, but I know when his the dialogue... It is the most natural-sounding racist dialogue ever. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how that goes. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. This movie had a lot of racially charged dialogue that I felt was very clunky. And Yeah, it didn't flow right. If you Chinamen won't go back to your seesaw, ching chong, wang wang, like, I'm right. like, what are yeah. you doing? And no one talks like that, least of all to people who have machine guns. That's like, <laughs> that's you like- pistols. <laughs> Exactly. That's like a bad version of of Daniel Day Lewis in Gangs of New York. I would get it from like, uh, yeah, I would get it from like an 1800 style of talking, right? Like this is supposed to be the mid 2000s. There's all sorts of things in this movie that I'm like, was this movie written like in the in the (laughs) like written in like the 70s or something? Like the scene where they meet in a porn theater i'm like in 2006 right exactly. when that movie came out like, you show me where there's a porn theater in southie right now anywhere in america <laughs> like an actual theater not like a, a peep show peep booth whatever right whatever yeah like an so, actual theater like they, they showed the heartbreak kid was the matinee <laughs> and now and now and the even the porn they were watching was from like the 70s right I do wonder, well, he ripped it off, so I don't know, but I do wonder if, oh, this should be set in the 70s. Nah, we'll just make it modern day. Because of the cell phones. Yeah, it's very clunky. So the first few minutes of this movie are Frank Costello, who's Jack Nicholson, mentoring a young Colin Sullivan, who's Matt Damon's character later on. To me, it just felt like Nicholson was trying to do some version of, like, Larry David. Didn't think I was going to find out. Huh? Is that what you thought? If you were me... You wouldn't have found out because you're stupid. You guys are fucking stupid. I have a gambling problem. You have a gambling problem? Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. Got a little greedy? Sorry, boss. You're sorry. You're sorry. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. Because you fucking morons fucked up. You're sorry. Hey, you want the money? Is that what you want? You want money, you fucking idiots? 
Here, take the money. Here, go ahead. Here, go ahead. Take the fucking money. You fucking idiots. Take it. Take it. Take the fucking money. Here, take it. Is that what you want? Take the fucking money. Come here, fucking cocksucker. I'm scared of Can you cut? Because he has this line. The church wants you in your place. Kneel, stand, kneel, stand. If you go for that sort of thing, I don't know what to do for you. Man makes his own way. No one gives it to you. You have to take it. Which, by the way, is the second fucking time he says that in four minutes. It's a Jim Crow thing. First time was for the niggers. Second time. (laughs) In the first few minutes of this movie, it's a lot of scenes of these weird exposition lines of philosophy from jack nicholson where he's walking from shadows into light as he's talking to people like is this just what he does yeah his face isn't illuminated for the first like five ten minutes of the movie they're trying to keep him perpetually in darkness is it because he's supposed to be young yes that's exactly what i wrote this is where scorsese oh pre-irishman yeah one day the technology is good enough where i don't have to do this where there's a traveling shadow wherever this dude is (laughs) in the the diner down the line to the kid and the shadow is still on on him i'm like is there an eclipse what's going on here Charles Barkley walking by (laughs) yeah and the dialogue's just so weird for like him trying to be so abrasive or like doesn't care what he says because he's like asking if the girl got her period yet and says she should go buy some makeup and all this stuff and i'm just like none of this makes me think "Ooh, this guy's edgy i asked a question that i ask again and again and again throughout this movie what crime boss does the pickups or maybe that's an irish thing i don't know no it's not no it's not that's a uh my criminal enterprise is collapsed within like a month or so kind of thing the boss is doing pickups and the boss is making phone calls from his phone and the boss is riding around in the car and the boss is going to the field. Like, it's just, what are you, what are you doing? And then the last note from this opening scene is, yeah, let's recruit a nine-year-old. Why not? Right. <laughs> that'll that'll right pay now. off someday. I'm going to tell you right now, man. Like I wouldn't recruit my own kid. <laughs> <laughs> Nine years old. No chance. Not a chance. Well, that's the other thing too is like, the fact that they're doing this all on cell phones. Door of the Explorer walkie-talkies. Awesome. Is that well, awesome? it's not a spy store. It's a convenience store. It's the only kind they of walkie-talkie. want to just use our phones? Oh, let's just use our phones. They make a record what? of everything that we say and do. do you where watch we are the, all the fucking time. news? Hey, Obama, I'm, right. I'm breaking into my no, own office. It's just the three of us doing this, not us in the I NSA. Don't ridicule. You I'm trying shit. to help. That's what it felt like the whole time. Absolutely. That's the staggering thing. Like, Scorsese has made some really great mob movies, right? Yes. Like, how can people look at this movie and think it's great? It's just so confusing to me. That's why I think it's confused with, like, entertaining and great, right? Because you can have bad entertaining movies, as is this podcast, right? Like, that's that's what this podcast is all about. Bread and butter, baby. That's how we're going to New Orleans on a train, on a typhoid train. I think people just like, oh, that was entertaining. Because there are, like... Leo is great in this he's, movie. He's acting his ass off. Yeah, he is acting his ass off. Actually, Matt Damon does I know, a fairly good job. The accent's really distracting for me. What do you guys think of the proposal that they had switched parts? Do you think that would work? No. No, I no, because no, no, I, no. I don't think Damon could do paranoid the way Leo does paranoid. Yeah. Like, Leo looks like he's had... Yeah, Leo looks stressed the out. fuck out. <laughs> he looks like he's like, I've done this before. Right. <laughs> The, the idea is that, like, Leo's the good guy and Damon's the bad guy. But in the movie, it's almost like face-off. Like, Matt Damon's a bad guy playing a good guy. And Leo's a, a good guy playing a bad guy. And I don't think Matt Damon could ever pass as a bad guy, like, on a surface level. He's just too friendly. 
Yeah, the only you know, time he ever came close was Scotty doesn't know. <laughs> even then, even, even then, then wanna, he's not that bad of a guy. Yeah, you want to sing along with it. You didn't want to. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could have swapped those roles, but like Leo is phenomenal in this movie. I think Baldwin's good in this movie. I love Baldwin. Baldwin and Wahlberg going back and forth is one of my favorite parts. You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Unfortunately, this shithole has more fucking leaks than the Iraqi Navy. Fuck yourself. I'm tired from fucking your wife. How's your mother? Good, she's tired from fucking my father. Starring Mark Wahlberg as himself. Yes, 100%. I also think Wahlberg took this movie so he could say the N-word. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. <laughs> Baldwin, I think he took this movie because he thought he'd be able to say the N-word. And he, didn't <laughs> he thought he was getting Wahlberg's part. He read the script wrong. He just assumed. He read He read the first couple of pages. Oh, yes. It was oh. <laughs> One of these movies. I couldn't get into Tarantino's movies, but I'll get into this. I'm waiting for an invite. So oh. Anthony Anderson walks in here and he's like, Nigger. Like, oh, wait, no. <laughs> hold on. Me, I, know, I know it's in the script here somewhere. Hold on. It's his finger. No, 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 no. Hold on. No, just wait, wait. No, no. Okay. My mistake. No, that's, all, that's on me. Honest can mistake. We, can we do it again in case, in case they, they want to use it? We're just getting, we'll get a different angle. Director's cut. <laughs> they go through the academy. You get a little montage of them going through the academy. Lots of montages in this movie. Yeah, lots of montages lots in this movie. Lots of montages for, for a movie that won an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> keep pointing this out. The line there where it's uh, DiCaprio and Anthony Anderson are both in the Academy at the same time. And they're jogging. He made a joke about his mom and he said, go fuck yourself or fuck you or whatever. And he said, you're a black guy involved, so you don't need my help to get fucked. And I said, you know what? That's the one true line in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was Leo's character just trying to be one of the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> thought Anthony Anderson was one of the good ones. <laughs> you think I just I assumed that you thought Anthony Anderson was the star of this movie. <laughs> I was disappointed by how little he was like I saw him in the opening scene. Oh, could be a buddy. I've seen this movie before, but somehow I forgot everything about it, other than yeah. a lot of my disgust. One of the things I can't stand is how this movie is like directed. Um, because like when he gets he gets put into the state police and becomes a detective, right? He's about to walk into his first day. He's right. on the steps. And they have a close-up of his face. And then they it's completely zoomed out to across the street with just a little circle that around circle, him. The, that the then James comes Bond up. circle. Yeah, and then it shows this like weird sweeping shot of him walking up the steps outside. And I'm just like, what is the point of it? None of this is artistic. Like you, you might as well put a star swipe in there. It's a nod to Albert R. Broccoli. <laughs> Wait, is that real? The guy who produced all the James Bond movies. Oh, okay. It's just bad directing to me. There's no actual artistry. A lot of it, a lot of it is just kind of like faux deep. It's the equivalent of what a lot of people's Twitter accounts are. <laughs> By the way, they're going to be pissed at our reviews. <laughs> Those same people. I do like the scene. I really like the scene where Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg are basically interviewing both the guys, right? They're separately. So the one with Damon is like a little whatever, but the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, I love that whole exchange of them saying, you're not a cop. Like, you're not going to be a cop a year from now. Your makeup, your, you know, your upbringing, everything, your family, like, you're not going to make it as this. So you might as well become this for us. I think it's a great exchange and a great also, like, is, way of shaping his character. Is that legal? Hell no. It's a great question. Doesn't seem like it would be. Because as soon as he meets his cousin and tells him that he's not a cop, 
it just made me think it's this weird loophole, right? Because technically he's not, but he's working with them, so he's basically a CI. Oh, I guess so. I don't know. It, it definitely seemed like a legal loophole to me. Like they're paying him off the books tax-free. Yeah. Like, none of this sounds legal, right? They have a first meeting in the SIU with Baldwin and all the other people in the division or in the unit. They're all in the boardroom. They're making jokes. Ha, 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 ha. I'm just like, okay. I, I, none of this makes any of you endearing. Damon looks across at this lady in the meeting. And it's like instant fuck me eyes. I'm like, come on, man. It's your first day. You got to draw the line, man. You got to stick it out asses in the the hall room and stuff. Like, come on, man. Picking up on people in the elevator. Yeah, when he's holding the elevator door open, I I liked looking in the background at the guy making like a drink run. And he just rolled his eyes because he's like, (laughs) fuck this guy. Also, by the way, this movie gave us the song that gave every Boston sporting event a soundtrack. Oh, my God. Ship it up to Boston. And later on in this movie, I realized realized that Scorsese doesn't like the song. He just likes the one line of, I'm a Taylor fan, going to lost my leg. (laughs) Because it doesn't keep screaming that over and over. There's a scene in the end when when they're being tailed and and he says, hey, uh, drop the tails or whatever, get rid of the tails. They play the line and they cut the music abruptly because he's on the phone. And then when he gets off the phone, they replay that line. They don't continue the song on from where, no. where it was. Like every once in a while, uh, I'm listening to a podcast and I stop it and I go do other stuff. Or whatever, and I come back to the podcast and it kicks it back a few seconds to stuff yes. I've already heard. I'm like, I've already heard this. Why are we doing this? Never do that song had lyrics. I just thought, oh, really? Stupid. Oh, oh, man. No, 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 no. When I worked, no, 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 no. Uh, when I worked for Oakley. <laughs> Charles? No, no, no the sunglass not, company. The, the worst part is I knew exactly what he meant, but in my mind, I just imagined Zach showing up to work wearing a pair of Oakleys. Like the, Ooh, the rap I, had, the I had so many Oakleys. With with another pair on like the back of his head. Just in case. <laughs> you know, Michael Jordan designed a pair of Oakleys. <laughs> Did he? Called the Mars. And they are one of the ugliest things that Oakley offers. They're so bad, and they're uncomfortable too. They're Wait, super do, uncomfortable. Does they're Oakley expensive. make sunglasses that don't look ugly? No offense to anyone who's. It's their collaborations with fashion icons that has made them such an indispensable brand over the years. Well, they also partnered up with uh, ah. with Lil John for a long time. Ah. Exactly. That's right. And ah. when he had his energy drink, Crunk Juice, they would just <laughs> ship it to us constantly. <laughs> and it turns out there was like a sex stimulant in that juice. Really? Yeah. You, you've heard of horny goat weed. It was like basically a knockoff version of that, whatever the the thing was. When I worked for Oakley, they had like a set discography that we could that we could play that changed once a month. But this song was on was on there. So like every day I heard it, I think twice every day I heard it. It was man. That's not the way you want to go to work. Also selling sunglasses. Oh, to answer your question, there are very few actually like decent looking sunglasses that they sell. And it was mostly like not plastic rim ones it was like rimless or whatever we find out that the fbi and the state police are both investigating frank costello and then we've got some some issues with leo's family leo essentially doesn't have any family which allows him to go deep deep undercover take this assignment get arrested do some time and then uh come out on the other side of it as a as an informant and a mole took 18 minutes to get to the credits for this movie oh that's right there's a shot of like both of them on a balcony and then it's like the departed. And then two minutes after that, Matt Damon says the departed. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> and maybe oh, yeah. think of that family line. Family guy. Oh, that family guy. Yeah. He said it. 
I have to be Superman for the quest for peace. <laughs> <laughs> These terrorists pose a clear and present danger. Oh, uh, we find out that who we get. We get his cousin that gets Leo into into the crime scene. Apparently, what's that dude's name? He's a funny guy, Kevin Corrigan. Oh yeah, he's in Super Bad. He's great in Pineapple Express. He's a funny guy who, again, was in this movie just because Martin Scorsese asked him to be in this movie because they could have clearly just cast any old body to do that role. All you got to do is be white, pretty much. <laughs> So now Leo gets mixed up with uh, with Frenchie, who's the right-hand man of Frank Costello. Look, I don't need the plot to make a lot of sense, but why would the Irish gang have these microchips that are going to shoot missiles into something? Well, they, they don't. They had a guy who worked at the the facility where these chips are being made specifically to steal them by, you guessed it, just walking out with them. <laughs> Someone who worked there for two weeks had enough clearance to just... <laughs> Walk out. It just seems like some high level espionage, it just fast drugs? and furious shit for like an Irish be, gang in Boston. Like, why would they make it so complicated? Well, couldn't it just be drugs? Or, like, right, like, exactly. Like, it doesn't. Yeah. He goes in, he tries to sell Coke with his cousin. He gets caught. They tell him, don't do it. And now you're in the game. He was brought to the bar because he came with his cousin and then he, and he beat up the dude. And Frenchie kind of like, hey, you don't get to punch. The, I'll tell you who to punch, who not to punch. Yeah. And what do you drink? And then, and then it's like, oh. And after that, he's in. Like, he's at the bar now every day. Like, he's just chilling at the bar, drinking his cranberry juice. Look, I, I just don't know why they welcomed him with open arms based off of that. Because he beat up two. Okay, so later on, he beats up two Italian guys in a convenience store. Martin Scorsese loves his convenience store fight scenes. <laughs> I think it's the same convenience store. I thought so, too. I kept doing a double take. I'm looking at it. I'm like, whoa. Because that's the only scene I've seen from The Irishman is that scene. That's the only one I've seen. And so I was like, that looks familiar. Maybe he just had one built on a lot so he can just always go back to it. <laughs> that's at his house. Just in his, just in his backyard. <laughs> Come on, guys. We're shooting at my house. Uh, we've got the You're pool the out Skywalk. here. There's the tennis Skywalker court. Ranch. <laughs> this is Irishville. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Jack, you're Irish, uh, right? I'm Scottish. Same. Uh, it's close enough. There's a, there's a long history of us. What's the enemy country of the Sudan? Who's like your rivals? <laughs> I don't think we missed, we missed that. Like, uh, <laughs> Egypt, I guess? Egypt? Like, okay. Yeah. So, like, you know, Scotland and Ireland. But it's a, it's a Sudan, love hate Egypt. thing. It's a love-hate thing, because as soon as you love Egyptian, like, movies and TVs, shows and all that, but you haven't lived, if you're Sudanese, if you haven't been to Egypt, and you haven't lived, if you haven't been to Egypt, or experienced at least one racist incident. (laughs) (laughs) Go back where you came from. So it's like your Shelbyville? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Those lemon trees in Egypt. (laughs) This is more of a Shelbyville idea, anyway. (laughs) (laughs) by the way, one of the Providence gangsters, one of the Italians that he beats up, is a uh, is one of the uh, tough guys from Too Fast, Too Furious. I don't know if you guys picked up on that. No, right. Damon is now dating the the psychologist. Jack Nicholson meets up with Leo and checks him for a wire and breaks the fuck out of his hand in his cast, which was already broken. He's good. He's safe. He's part of the gang. How's your mother? She's on her way out. 
We all are. Act accordingly. That's sadly the best line he delivers in this movie. And then he's super horny because he, he said that Oh, line. he's so horny. Oh, my God. I wonder if that's why he does all the pickups. Because it just gets the blood pumping and then he can go fuck. They, they do have Viagra in 2006. The psychologist makes a reference to Matt Damon about, like, it happens to every guy and da 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 yeah, yeah. Like, was that about, was I like reading too much of that or was that about him not being able to get it up? Yeah, no, he was, he was struggling to get it up or maybe, well, or maybe he came too early. Well, alert. the end of the movie, she hands him a sonogram and says, Hey, look, I'm pregnant. Are we allowed to believe that that's DiCaprio's kid? I think that's Leo's yeah. kid. Yeah. I thought too. Cause he looked yeah. kind of surprised too. What? He did. He did. <laughs> and he was like, he's he's like, I don't remember right? doing that. <laughs> There's a montage of like them doing criminal shit with Leo and Frenchie the conversation with the priest is just to show that he's a badass that he takes no prisoners 50 minutes into the movie is when leo meets with mark Wahlberg and martin sheen down by the river and it's already been a year and that's when he becomes aware of damon possibly infiltrating the police on costello's behalf there's leo freaking out in the car do you want him to chop me up and feed me to the poor which i remember from the trailer And then a little bit later, that's when Damon becomes aware of Leo. And that's when they kind of just start circling each other. And it's like, who's going to figure out who's who first? Yeah, who's going who's to fuck the other one was, first? I, li- I kind of like that storyline. That, w- that was interesting of like them trying to smoke out one another, not knowing who, who the other was. I thought right. I it's, like, it's like blindly going after. It's just knowing there's someone there. So you got to find it, right? There's a scene where Leo's sitting in, his, in the room where his mother died and he finds like her prescription oxys and he's just staring at it. And then he pops three of them. And not, all I could think of is like, if I was going to start oxys like today because I got super stressed, I don't know if I'd jump right to three. Right? I, I, I mean, he's really stressed. The next scene, he, he go, that's when he goes and sees her. I love that conversation where he does the whole soliloquy basically of like, I've learned that my hand does not shake, you know, when your heart rate is jacked, as he says. I think that's a great setting the mood of like, this guy can handle anything, even though he's freaking out. Is that he can knows talk, in the moment he can handle it. Can we talk about how horrible she is at her job? She crosses some boundaries, man. She's banging patients. Raw dog, by the way. She raw dog and everybody. She was She's, the 70s. Uh, there was no AIDS. <laughs> She's closing files in front of dudes. Like she gives him a prescription. Says, I'm transferring to another doctor. And he says, how about we get some coffee? And she's like, I thought you'd never ask. I'm like, what? what's going on here? Also, her accent zones in and out. Did y'all notice that? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. Especially when she gives Leo her card. Yeah, this is kind of why her and Damon are, are so are so good together in theories, because they're both horn dogs. Well, Damon's not. Damon is. He's looking at everything. He just can't get it up. And the dude's horny. <laughs> Every time. There's about to be a huge raid or something. He picks up the phone from like the big cop meeting and calls dude on his direct line and says, hey, dad, I'm going to be late for supper. There's a scene where right. one of the guys in the crew gets picked up and he goes in their hands on the phone and says, tell mom you're going to be late for supper, right? <laughs> Just no one ever noticed that right before they're about to do something like we're going, we're going, we know the destination. We're going right now. Hold on. I got to make a phone call. <laughs> no I got to tell my dad. Nobody like, how are you having dinner with your dad? Also, no one calls it dinner. Nobody in this movie calls it. The word dinner is not uttered one time. It's supper. Oh, is, su- is supper a Boston thing? Supper. I just found out, I guess, in this movie that it's, a, that it's a Boston thing. They have the Chinese raid, right? This is a big, like, deal where you're not only, like, doing an illegal activity, 
this counts as espionage, right? Like this is, this might be capital crime, right? This goes beyond like regular Rico statutes. Like you might be like on, on trial for treason at this point, but no, Jack Nicholson has to be there. Yeah, no, what crime boss does that. And also mean like that Damon tells him no phones. So then he goes, no phones, everyone. It's like, so you guys know that you can be tracked on your phones. Why is he on his phone constantly? Exactly. How does Matt Damon tell him no phones? How, Zach? Tell the people how this message is relayed. He texts him. He texts him from inside his pocket. <laughs> Why are you sitting in a room full of cops? That's, that's some good fucking T9 skills. I'll tell you oh, that. Man. Come on, with no typos or nothing. He hit every single thing perfectly in there. <laughs> How and, close to no phones do you think you could get if you tried that on like on an old T9? phone? Like back in your heyday of, of typing on T9. I probably could get no phones, but it would look like I was jacking off. <laughs> There's no way I would have my hand in my pocket. And very- well, maybe that's why it's important that he established himself as a horn dog first day at work because they think he's just constantly <laughs> playing with himself. There goes Kali <laughs> again, yanking it out of eye, and they like just tussled his hair. So you have that going on like, this ridiculous part. Then the other ridiculous, this is Leo on the scene. Everyone said, no phones. Cool. I'm going to stand in the back and just kind of lean behind this column. Right here and text back. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got Jack giving racist term bingo over here. <laughs> you bat soup eating. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about, man? It was so over the top offensive. But like, again, unlike a Tarantino movie, it was just so kind of like, who talks like that? Like even Clayton Bigsby wasn't that over the nail on the head like that. He does change on <laughs> Yo, he hits every single cliched like racist term for Asian. He, does. Wow, he unloaded, the, he unloaded the racist gun. clip on him, man. In this That's... country, in this country, if you're the Chinese dude, why don't you just spray him and t- take the chips and keep your money? Yeah. Also, turns out they weren't chips. I'm no dummy, but I think. If I were coming on behalf of my government to purchase microchips for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, I would have in my company one dude who knows a little something about microchips. They just bought it sight unseen. It seems like a good idea. Man, maybe this is racist. Why isn't it the Chinese government developing these? feel like they'd be way better than we are well this is 2006 before we got that's the one thing that's very prescient of this movie it's like in about two decades we're gonna be at war with china i'm like yeah right about right on time marty <laughs> you hit that one marty because <laughs> his name is martin scorsese and also yeah. the main character in back to the future is martin mcfly so I'm like, marty okay you want to do one more marty all right there we go but leo finds out there's an fbi informant and then there's a scene where Jack Nicholson goes to the opera with his wife and a stripper or a hooker or something. They're in bed and he grabs a handful of cocaine and what just throws it at her. Is it supposed to be that, that he's like, he's starting to unravel? He's, he's out of control? He's years old. Now he's done unravel? His eyes in that scene were <laughs> so insane. Oh my God. Like MJ at hey. a blackjack table. This is what it's called, method acting. Learn about it, boy. <laughs> Why was he at the opera? Why did we need an opera scene? Yeah, I don't know. Who are the girls? Random floozies. Why did he tell her to keep doing it until she's numb? That doesn't sound good. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I've never, sexy. I've never done cocaine, so I don't know. Yeah, I've never done coke either. Maze? You guys have never done cocaine? I've never had the desire. It's never drug. seemed appealing to me. It's not my favorite drug. It's towards the bottom. I, don't, I only do it socially because other people that have cocaine love doing cocaine. I thought you were going to say it's not my favorite drug. It's my only drug. <laughs> In fact, I'm doing it right now. She moves into his house, into Matt Damon's house. The yeah. psychiatrist moves into Matt Damon's house. Uh, the accents are just terrible at this point. Everyone's fading in and out. There's a terrible Photoshop on her childhood pic, and you guys dared, dared to give Hall Pass a hard time for their Photoshop skills. This movie won a fucking Oscar, and that Photoshop was... It's her on a bike. You don't even need to Photoshop it. She probably right. actually has a picture of her on a bike. Right, just they... go do a little bit of research. Yeah. She's wearing a Harvard shirt, even though she made clear that she went to UMass. Yeah. Also, does it need to look like her if it's a kid? Yeah, it could be anyone. For right. Just any kid. Get the stock photo from like the, what you get when you buy a picture frame. Right, exactly. Uh, Jack Nicholson calls him at his house on his house number. She picks up and you get the like <laughs> the witness protection voice, really? And then he turns it off. And I don't know about you, but I don't remember no sprint flip phone from two thousand six being able to do that. Of course not. None of this makes sense. And while he's on the phone the whole time, she's staring at him. What a nosy bitch. That's wow. The system of the movie. That's a, like, I just didn't like that. I like, yo, I told you this is a work call. Yo, mind your business. That's when Vera calls him cancer guy. And there's, there's repeated jokes that, that Jack Nicholson has cancer in his throat. And then Nicholson drops his first hard C of several hard C's. Yeah, that's a lot of hard C's in there. They yeah. round up all the henchmen. To get information so they could run background checks on them. And then we get a very good tell for later on where one of the guys misspells citizens. And so Leo helps him out by crossing it out and spelling it correctly. So now he knows he knows what's what later on. By the way, Leo shows up at the psychiatrist's old house. I guess she's still up three months left, so she's slowly moving out of her house. I don't know how he got her address. I don't know why it's acceptable for him to show up at her house whether he's a client or not he doesn't really say much and she like he asked a question about her and she says your vulnerability is really freaking me out and i said what vulnerability and i said it literally i heard zach's voice saying what story like (laughs) he asked you about your life and you're opening up you dumb shrink (laughs) it's like she doesn't have any idea what her job is and how other people could use and so then they make out in the kitchen she gets, they get to the bedroom and there's a love scene and she takes off her pants and then he moves to take off her pants. You know what she does, boys? The arch? Arch. And I yeah. was like, boy. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> listeners of this podcast will not know what we're talking about. But in the Dude, future, it's in, the in so, like a month. I like a future callback. I like it. Yeah, it's a future callback. Tony Medley's a fan of Time Warp movies and we're a fan of Time Warp podcasts. Exactly. Leo is tailing Jack to the porn theater in 2006 to find out you know, who the informant is. He can't quite make out who he's talking to. He's obviously talking to Matt Damon, but then he ends up tailing Matt Damon. All right, so far, so good. Uh, Matt Damon kind of feels like someone's following him, so picking up a pace and making like sharp turns or whatever. And then midway through the chase, Leo's phone rings. Yeah. And um, why is this is his burner phone that the cops, uh, Martin Sheen and, and Wahlberg call him on. Why is the ringer ever on on that? Ever. Exactly. At any point. 
exactly. at any point in his life. And Martin Sheen's scene, when Leo's texting from behind a column, he's got it on vibrate. He goes, yeah, but also, you know, Queen, Queenan's texting him, like, make a rest. It's like, no shit, <laughs> man. Like, what do you think he's doing? And send. Make sure yeah. to cuff him, read him his rights. <laughs> Matt Damon ends up stabbing a poor Asian man who's just working the docks or whatever, and then escapes. Leo tries to give chase, can't see him. There's a camera that picks up, like, the back of his head. So now Matt Damon has gone back to police camera, video camera archives or whatever, on some real eagle-eyed shit, and looks up the surveillance footage, but also can't make out Leo's face. So now both of them know the existence of the other. They know they were very close to one another, but neither of them knows what they look like. Nicholson, as Zach said had everybody give their social security numbers and bank account numbers and date of birth. The only person not to do that is Leo. And somehow, no one, like, they're just kind of like a very mild suspicion of Leo being the rat. Just a mild one. Just a dusting of a suspicion. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I'm going to keep my eye on you. Like, what? (laughs) And then there's a a scene with Leo and Jack, right, Uh, at a restaurant, and Jack's kind of losing it. And he's he's talking about finding the rat and all this shit. That's a scene where he's like, where he's like, is there something you want to ask me? He gives literally a Ben Stiller and Heartbreak Kid level lying soliloquy. Yeah. About how, like, if you want to ask me a question, who's, uh, what's the difference between those murderers and me? I don't want to murder that. But I'll put a bullet in your head if you keep pressing me, blah, 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 blah. And, and then at some point he says, how long are you guys work for you? They got to be pretty disgruntled. You don't pay them much. I'm like, well, this is the worst lie ever. This is all the things <laughs> I would say if I was guilty. Come on, bro. You're the one who ain't give up the social. So right <laughs> now, uh, Damon's trying to get the information from Queenan about who the the informant could be. He won't do it. He's having trouble getting it up in bed. There's going to be a job where Jack's going with a whole new crew. Yes. Right? He's cutting Jack up a body or something. I don't know. Then uh, Leo leaves. And he's going to go meet Queenan. He's telling him, "I got to get out. I can't do this anymore." He's really going through it as that's happening. Matt Damon is having people tail Queen in to find out who the informant is. So we got a lot of tails going on right now. It's a real tailspin. Yeah, so all right. So, you know, they get they get there, they follow to a building where Queen in goes to the roof, meets with, with Leo. Leo's freaking out. Queen in says, All right, I'll get you out. It's not gonna be overnight, but I'll do what I can. Meanwhile, Leo gets a call from Jack's crew. They say, Hey, we found the rat. We're going to this address, and the address is incorrect, right? So he tries to smuggle them out, but it's too late because everyone's starting to show up. So Queenan says, you go, you escape, and I'll, I'll stall them because we can't let your identity be found out. Well, the gang rolls in. The cops watch the gang roll in. They, they find Queenan. Uh, he gives some wise-ass comment about, like, his son is at Notre Dame or whatever. They grab his ass, throw him off the building. Right as Leo, who has escaped out the back, is now rounding the corner and walking up. Cops get in a shootout with the bad guys. Leo escapes. Queenan is dead. I say all this. Why am I bringing all this up? Because there's... Is it because of the informant who, like, tells him, why didn't I tell you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I gave you the wrong address, but you showed up at the right place. First of all, 314 versus 344, it's right down the fucking block. Right, yeah, it's not going to be that hard to figure it and, out. And is it is like, guys, what address is? is it? The one that you gave me, or is it the one where someone fell off a fucking roof? <laughs> now that Queenan's dead, Matt Damon and, and Baldwin to a, a lesser extent, but Damon's like really pressing Wahlberg, like, "Give me who your informant is." Wahlberg quits. They go to the hideout. 
Leo and the henchman and the guy who got shot. And he's like, I gave you the wrong address, but you, you showed up anyway. Tell me why, basically. Because I just figured the building that had the guy falling off was the one that I should have been at. Oops, it looks like I was a little late. Jack Nicholson in all of these scenes, making faces equals Jack Nicholson acting his ass off. He just makes faces the whole movie. Oh, he does. And does weird shit with his hands, and it's a strange performance. He mailed it in so much, man. Like, he's just not even trying. And he sings that Irish sea shanty at some point, and it's <laughs> real bad. Leo's freaking out with uh, with Vera. Oh, and then Damon has Queenan's phone and decides to make a call from it. Leo answers. I actually like this scene. Yeah. I think it's a good scene. Like, There's a lot of way, tension Matt, to it. Matt, Matt Damon's character mastered what I've mastered, which is the, when I don't know shit, I ask questions, pretending like I know everything, and I wait for people to snitch on themselves. And kudos <laughs> to Leo for not falling for it. Yeah. At least not at first. Not at first, yeah. Eventually, he gets them to come in. They find out the guy who got shot, the henchman who got shot. There's a report on TV that he was, a, he was undercover. Yeah, so the guy who gave the wrong address was undercover as well yeah so now leo's off the hook because like oh we found the rat it was him although I, i'm still not sure why my man didn't bury him properly <laughs> like what's it's a rat? great question uh let's move the story along guys let's make yeah i think it just moved the story along but yeah the guy who supposed to bury the body and they found him anyway he's like i buried them it must be the dog or something that found him that guy's kind of funny. I like that guy. And now we go to one of the big showdown scenes of there's going to be like a drug deal, I guess. And once again, Jack Nicholson is confusingly going to the big drug pickup. Sitting shotgun, by the way, given our double impact conversation. Sitting shotgun. Right. That's when the police, that's when Damon has the police move in on him. We find out that Jack was an informant for the FBI. He says he never turned anyone in who didn't have it coming to them. And so Matt Damon is understandably very skittish about, do they know about me? Do they know about me? Do they know about me? And Jack kind of never really answers the question. Like, I know about you. Like, these are not the answers I need at this time. So he ends up shooting Jack, even though Jack tried to shoot him. And I wrote, Jack even overacts dying. He did. He, oh my God, it's so bad. The way he falls into that fucking tractor or whatever it is, the bulldozer. Like this you know, slow fall yeah. and his eyes roll died, back to his head. It's so died, bad. Died exactly like the kid from Role Models. Bobby J. When he gets stabbed in the LARP. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, he got stabbed. You got to die now. Oh, okay. <laughs> like that's exactly how Jack Nicholson dies. Crosses his eyes and everything. Now we've got Leo coming in to meet with Damon. Anthony Anderson makes a return after two hours. So I know you're excited about that, I mean. Or the movie. He confirms to Damon that, that he and Leo were in the academy together. Leo finds the citizen's envelope when Damon leaves the room, sees it on the desk, so he knows that Damon was the mole inside the police department. So he hightails it out of there. Damon connects the dots and knows that Leo knows it's him. So now he deletes his, his existence, his file. He sends him a package with a, a CD with the audio recording of a conversation, a very incriminating conversation between Jack yeah. Nicholson and Damon and says, here, call me. Now, the package comes in, 
and the nosiest nosy nose of all time opens the package, which is a federal offense, opening someone else's mail. I just want to throw you out there. She should be disbarred several times over. Not disbarred, whatever. Lose her life. <laughs> How is she the villain of this movie for you? She's the worst. She's the absolute worst. She plays it, listens to it, and then rather than having a poker face, like when he says, hey, what are you listening to? Like, oh, just, you know, new biggie. <laughs> 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 She pulls the plug out so he can hear his own voice talking to the, the biggest crime boss in the city, and she's all cool with it. And there's like, no what, worry that he would kill her? Exactly. I'm like, what are yeah. you doing, you stupid bitch? And you know what she says? Her line is, I thought I was the liar. Like, Jesus Christ. Why That's what have, if I'm Damon, I'd be like, wait, what have you been lying wait, about? Yeah, like, yeah, I've been <laughs> ball dogging this other dude over here. It looks like a more handsome version of you. And then Leo calls. Leo calls Damon. Says they need to meet. So they meet at the rooftop where Queenan died. He says uh, Jack was recording everything because he's an FBI informant. I got all the tapes. I want you to give me my identity back. I don't want to be a cop again. Just bring me, give me my identity back. Arrests him, beats him up, says no one will ever believe you, yada, yada, yada. Anthony Anderson shows up, and he's telling Anthony Anderson, you know me. And he's like, I do know you, but like, still, you got to drop the gun. But he won't drop the gun. So he gets in the elevator. Anthony Anderson doesn't do shit about it. When the elevator gets to the ground floor, some cop that we we are introduced to in the opening scenes of the movie is there. I uh, shoot Leo in the head. Tells Matt Damon, I, yeah. I was part of the gang too. Matt Damon says, "Oh, that's great." Uh, Anthony Anderson comes out the other elevator. They shoot Anthony Anderson. Like, okay. And then Matt Damon shoots this dude who just saved his life by shooting these other two people. And all I could think of was the end scene in Hall Pass. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Even I don't know if I'm strong oh. enough. What did the police question yeah. me? And again, that's a callback to an episode that hasn't posted yet. Future callback. I think we have two t-shirts ready to go. One is he's acting his ass off, and two is future callback. He gets home. He showers. He looks good. His life is going on as awesome as possible. He tells everybody, yo, Matt Damon's a hero, yada, yada. I was surprised that he didn't stick the crime on Anthony Anderson. Oh. I, I was surprised. Like, they would have been like, yeah, it makes sense. He yeah. really did it. Now he's passing things. Everything's cool. Everything's sweetness. Gets back home to his apartment. Mark Wahlberg is there. Shoots him in the head. And he's wearing the little shoe booties. And he's actually very prepared for coronavirus because he's got the gloves. He is, yeah. He's perfectly, he's perfectly. Shoots, shoot, shoots so. him in the head. His brain splatter on the outside of the front door of the apartment. So you can't even close the door and act like nothing happened. <laughs> So he just walks out. As he walks out, we pan back to Matt Damon's dead body, pool of blood. Look onto the balcony. What do we see? A rat. Because Martin that Scorsese is such a such a nuanced oh, and very yeah. Oh, he's very, just so oh, he's so artistic. Oh, I mean, there's, levels to this. there's levels yeah, to this. Levels, yeah. The ending's so bad. Roll credits. All right, Golden Dumpster. It's a stacked cast. I mean, Scorsese, Damon, Leo, Mark Wahlberg, Alec Baldwin, Jack Nicholson. Any of these people did not are not worth mentioning. If we're talking about good golden dumpster, then it's definitely Leo. Like for me, it's Leo. My hand stays steady. That speech. I'm just gonna put it on that. That's my golden dumpster. All right, Leonardo sweeping. We have a review from the esteemed H. Anthony Medley of TonyMedley.com. He gives The Departed a nine out of ten. Before tonight, when I thought of Leonardo DiCaprio, I saw a boy. No more. He makes his bones as a man in this film, directed by Martin Scorsese, inspired by the 2002 Hong Kong thriller Infernal Affairs. In fact, despite the presence of the icon Jack Nicholson, this is so much DiCaprio's movie that Oscar should beckon. 
He plays Billy Costigan, a cop who goes undercover in Frank Costello's gang. Only two people know that Billy is a cop, Captain Queenan and Queenan's in-your-face assistant, Sergeant Dignam. Mark Wahlberg in another Oscar-deserving performance. Billy's duplicitous counterpart in the police is Colin Sullivan, Matt Damon, who is well cast in a role that requires the range of an amoeba, a well-respected cop who is a stooge for Costello. Even though the running time is well over two hours, the script by William Monaghan is surprisingly taut, picturing a relatively corrupt state of affairs in Boston law enforcement. I say surprisingly because Monaghan's last effort was the laughable Kingdom of Heaven. Monaghan's script was a major contributor to director Ridley Scott's bomb. In addition to living their tense double lives, both Billy and Colin are enamored of Madeline, Vera Farmiga, of psychiatrist who has Billy as a patient and Colin as a lover. Hot-tempered Billy is a sympathetic character to Madeline, a person who has lost his parents and is basically alone in the world. Of course, Madeline is unaware that he has exacerbated his loneliness by going undercover. Even so, Madeline finds his passion appealing, despite his appearance to her as a derelict ex-con and her commitment to Colin, who appears to have it all, an up-and-coming career in security. Rounding out the competent cast are Ray Winstone, who plays Costello's lieutenant, Mr. French, and Alec Baldwin, playing Captain Ellerby, the chief of the Special Investigation Unit. Although this isn't noir, it's filmed as noir. Even though it's in color, the entire film was lit by Scorsese's favorite director of photography, Michael Ballhouse, as if it were black and white. Costume designer Sandy Powell dressed everyone but Nicholson in neutral tones. Nicholson was dressed in flamboyant ways. Production designer Christy Zaya says, We intentionally made the costumes and the sets fairly monochromatic, but we collectively made the decision that whenever we use red, there was a reason. It's intended as a subliminal message that something of a dangerous nature is about to happen, with blood being the obvious correlation. Scorsese also used the letter X as an homage to the 1932 Howard Hughes film Scarface. They claim that they use it throughout the film, but it is certainly subtle, because I was looking for it and didn't notice it that much. I did notice the use of the color red, but that might be because this is a graphically violent film and a lot of blood flows. Despite the graphic violence and lots of scurrilous language, this is a tense, highly entertaining film that held my interest up through the slam-bang ending. Nicholson, as usual, overacts to great effect, but the star is Leo, who emerges from this film as a complete actor and a full-fledged star. He gets a big assist from Wahlberg, who is captivating the few minutes he is on screen. All right, Amin, phobe or file? Jesus, Tony Medley, you never cease to disappoint me. I'm going to go file. I would actually watch this movie again. I, I think I was too harsh on it the first time I saw it back in 2006 upon rewatching it is an entertaining movie if albeit long it's not that it's a bad movie it's just come on man that's an oscar winner come on. right maze over file well my question was going to be are we rating it against its 91 percent, 94 percent score yeah i mean i guess so if it's against that i would say it's a slight phobe but in terms of like the rest of the movies we watch, it's obviously a file. I'm going to say it's a file just because it is entertaining and I'll watch it whenever it's on. But it's not that good of a movie. It's just entertaining. And it's not a top five Scorsese movie. No, which some movies are meant to be both good and entertaining. This this was meant to be a great movie and it's not. That's going to do it for this Cinephobe. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Uh, if you're part of the Patreon, we got Cinephobe suggestions and a channel in the Discord. If you're not part of the Patreon, patreon.com slash count the dings. For Amin Al-Hassan, for uh, Anthony Mays, I'm Zach Harper. Thanks to Adnan Burke. Watch out for that rat across the balcony, guys. Next time we make love, you introduce me to Jade.
Have you made the switch to NYX? Millions of women have made the switch to the revolutionary period underwear from NYX. That's K-N-I-X. Period panties from NYX are like no other, making them the number one leak-proof underwear brand in North America. They're comfy, stylish, and absorbent, perfect for period protection from your lightest to your heaviest days. They look, feel, and machine wash just like regular underwear, but feature incognito protection that has you covered. You can shop sizes from extra small to 4XL. Choose from all kinds of colors, prints, and different styles, from bikinis to boy shorts, thongs to high-rise. You've got to try NYX. See why millions are ditching disposable, wasteful period products and have switched to NYX. Go to knix.com and get 15% off with promo code TRY15. That's nix.com promo code TRY15 for 15% off life-changing period underwear. That's knix.com.